0: Episode of from the honeycomb a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home to design architecture yoga meditation and travel i've created this podcast as a place to come for design inspiration and especially to learn about vastu shastra with a modern approach i'm your host katerina Burinova, and welcome to from the honeycomb so what does an architect even do you see architects portrayed in movies, or maybe you know someone's dad who's an architect, but do you really know what they do? Ever since I started working in architecture firms, I've gotten asked by friends and family, so what is it that you do? Of course, my answers have varied from when I was an intern to field measuring and drawing floor plans, to now being a project manager and managing projects from early design stages to processing through the city and onto construction. And an architect has dozens of responsibilities and needs to know a little bit about everything from mechanical systems, structural, different flooring finishes, and even be able to design spaces that could be from remodeling a simple kitchen or designing a skyscraper. It's really a renaissance man and now woman type of job. You have to be good at many different things. All right, let's take a moment to ground down and find something we are grateful for in this moment. This is something I like to do in every episode just to take a moment and find whatever it is that you are grateful for in this moment, big or small. And in this moment, I am very grateful for my health. I think after the holidays, we've seen a lot of people uh, unfortunately getting COVID, COVID again, and I have to say right now I'm very grateful for the healthy lifestyle we lead, our healthy diet, and the time I'm taking to really practice self-care and make sure that I'm okay, I'm getting the rest I need because it's so important for your health and to be able to fight whatever sickness may come up, just to have the energy. There are two articles by Mindy Colling I recently stumbled upon, which really made me think. And one was titled, Scripting a Fantasy of a Family, from the New York Times. And I'll provide a link in the show notes for both of these articles if you want to read them. And in this article, she describes her fake family she imagines someone thinks she may be going home to. She goes on to describe her imaginary husband and what his attributes would be, and of course his occupation, an architect. Of course, she states, though, that this husband could only be a product of her imagination because no real people are actually architects, because this is a profession that only exists in movies. And in the other article I found, called Flick Chicks, but also by Mindy, she breaks down the rom-com female character types, and she ends with, There are nine people in the entire world who are architects. One of them is my dad, and none of them look like Patrick Dempsey. And let's be honest, most of the architects we think of in movies are in rom-coms, which is also my favorite genre of movies. You have in the Nancy Myers film It's Complicated, Steve Martin is an architect that pursues Meryl Streep's character. In Nora Ephron's Sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks plays an architect. And in 500 Days of Summer, you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who turns from a greeting card writer into an architect. Of course, many of you may know Mr. Brady from The Brady Bunch, He an architect, and for the newer generation for TV, you may be familiar with Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. Now, I used to be a big fan of this show until I really got into the exam process of pursuing my architecture license, and so there are six exams in the United States that you have to take to become a licensed architect, seven if you live in California, New York, and Florida, And so each of these exams has a level of difficulty as the one bar exam lawyers have to take, and Ted Mosby's roommate and Marshall was pursuing his bar exam during one of the episodes, and I remember he was studying and studying, and it really frustrated me to watch Marshall because he was only studying for one exam while Ted was out gallivanting around trying to find his perfect soulmate, when in reality he would have been studying along with Marshall and for a much longer period of time. And so usually Hollywood shows the architect at a drafting table, lost in thought, and of course majority of them are male. There was one show I actually could think of that I watched a long time ago called Californication, where the actress Natasha McKellen plays an architect. And in one episode specifically, I remember, she lands her dream client. And I remember discussing this with one of my colleagues at the job I was at. And we both agreed there was no way she would have landed that client because we never actually saw her work. And as an architect, usually your career takes off in your late 30s, early 40s, sometimes in your 50s or 60s, once you've taken a lot of time to work because the job used to be an apprenticeship. When you were younger, you would work under these architects, learn, 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 and then you would evolve your career into being able to possibly take on this huge big dream client. So we kind of figured in that show, they didn't get it quite as right because although she was an architect, we rarely saw her actually working. Now, throughout centuries, the architect has been, as I mentioned, a type of renaissance man and woman today, who knows a little bit about everything. Now, architecture dates back thousands of years to early civilization. When you think about the fortresses in Europe or the Great Pyramids of Egypt to the temples of ancient China... All of these were designed by someone, or a team of people, which today we call architects. Now, when you look back at even the last 100 years, there has been a major shift in the architecture world. From how drawings are done to how many team members you have on a job, from hand-drafting plans and elevations to now being able to do everything on the computer, create 3D models, renderings, simulations, computers have created such a huge advancement in architecture. There are still a few firms I know of who do use hand drafting, but of course the majority have switched to CAD, AutoCAD, one of the more popular types of computer drafting programs, and that's something that I use day to day. You also have your 3D rendering software programs that you can use, such as Rhino, Grasshopper, Revit, 3ds Max, and there's so many more coming out. Now, in university, my program still required us to learn how to hand draft, and this was in 2010, so not that long ago. But by my third or fourth year of architecture school, things had changed and the incoming freshmen no longer had to hand draft. Everyone went straight to computers, which I think is a real shame and also a bit of a disadvantage to this new generation of architects. Because being able to draw by hand an idea very quickly, for example, if you're on a job site with a client or be able to work through a design or a condition you can't figure out during a meeting, without having to rely on technology, is a huge asset to have. And there are times when I have trouble figuring out something, and with a pencil in my hand, I'm actually able to figure it out without thinking about which command to use in order to draw what I need. I just have to move my hand. But So let's back up a little bit so I can share with you how and why I wanted to become an architect. When I was in the fifth grade, so 10 years old, we moved to Southern Orange County from New Hampshire. And the town we lived in had just recently been built, maybe three or four years before we moved there. And the elementary school had been built and that's where I was at school. And we had a group of the planners, architects, engineers, come to our school to tell us about how they were building and designing this town that we were living in. And there was one woman on the team, which I thought was so cool because, you know, as a young girl, you think, oh, you know, what job can I have? I can have any job I want. Maybe I could be this woman who's designing these places. Like it was a real aha moment for me in that moment where I thought, oh, this is so cool. You can design a town, you can design the school we're in, where the houses go. So I believe that's when the seed was planted. And it wasn't until the following year when I was about sixth grade, so 11, 12-ish, that I was sitting in English class And we were reading a book or a poem or something about an old man who lived in this little cabin in the woods. And so as the teacher was reading to us, I decided to start sketching. And I drew a section cut, essentially what I look at now, is the man sitting in his chair by his fireplace. And I remember decorating inside his home everything he would have. And that was the first real architectural drawing I'd ever done. And I thought this was so fun. You can you know, design the inside of a house. You can pick whatever you want. So I started to buy graph paper and design plans of my future home. Now, of course, my home always had a bowling alley, a pool, a movie theater. I just had so much fun designing what I wanted in my home. And so from then, I knew I wanted to be an architect especially what really helped fuel this passion for architecture was my family traveled a lot between the Czech Republic and the US, but also visiting parts of Asia, Australia, also South America. I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and architecture, so I believe that definitely helped. I started college in 2010 and graduated in 2015, so it was a five-year program, And I went to Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. It's actually in the south side of Chicago. It's a small private school. And I had an internship at an architecture firm, or I did also an internship at an interior design firm for four summers until I got my first architecture job right after graduating. And all of my internships were in residential. And so I always knew I wanted to stay in residential rather than pursue commercial projects because with residential design, it, I feel like you have a more personal and intimate relationship with the client. You're designing a home for them to live in, to sleep in, to make memories in. And so that is what has drawn me to stay in residential. And I've also favored high end residential, which means I get to work on multi million dollar projects, which of course is fun because you have unlimited budgets sometimes and you get to do unique design work. So after a few more years of bearing the cold Chicago winters, I decided to move back to Orange County, California, where I grew up. I found a job at a high-end residential firm in South Orange County. I've been there now for about four and a half years. We're a small firm, which I like, because we work. when you work for a small firm, you get to partake in all stages of the design to even the building phases. Oftentimes in larger firms, you can get pigeonholed, and end up only drawing stair details, for example. And in larger firms, it takes time to gain more experience. I do know some of my classmates who pursued some of the big architecture firms, especially the ones in Chicago, and they're very happy. It all depends on how much participation or how involved you wanna be in a project. And that's the thing with architecture. There are so many different types of buildings you can design, residential, commercial, hospitality, hospitals, stadiums, prisons, or skyscrapers in the Middle East. You can even design cities and places in movies. For example, you've got Hogwarts, someone had to design that, or the city of Pan Am from the Hunger Games. That's also something you can do with architecture. With that being said, I wanna share with you what I do as an almost licensed architect working in a high-end residential small firm because this can differ from what a licensed architect at a large commercial firm does. There's just so many different areas you can work in with architecture. Now, the big difference between licensed and unlicensed is kind of big. As an unlicensed architect, yes, I can practice architecture, but I cannot stamp my own drawings. And I also cannot call myself an architect because I don't have the license to do so. And so in the US, to be a licensed architect, You need to have a university degree from an unaccredited school. You also need to complete to what I believe is now about 3000 or so hours under a licensed architect. And there's the six exams I mentioned and one extra one if you need to, if you're pursuing your license in the state of California. Now these exams are really no joke if you've heard me and talk about it in other episodes. For example, one of the exams, the passing rate is 43% nationwide. So it's very rare that you pass on your first try, but there are those few who do. And since I mentioned California, you need that extra California license, which I believe covers specifically energy codes and earthquakes. I haven't taken that yet because I still have one more of the national ones to take. And then I will be a licensed architect. And this has been my goal, as I one day hope to own my own firm. Now, as a project manager, what I do is I oversee several projects at a time. Currently, most of my projects are smaller remodels. As I am early on in my career, and I'm still learning as I go, I have a much smaller scale projects. See, architecture school only briefly prepares you for the career field. Most of what I've learned is from hands-on projects at internships and work. And so that's why, because there's so much you need to learn It's very uncommon for you to have a major career early on in your career or to get your big break because there's so much you have to learn and so much that goes into construction that you really are learning every day something new. When I first get a project, we go through the design phase. So my boss and I will meet with the clients, find out the scope of work, and propose what we believe would work for them. So for example, I have a new project I just recently started on. The clients would like to replace all existing exterior doors and windows, which takes processing through the city, calculating energy codes, because in the state of California, new doors and windows need to meet specific energy codes. As we process that, the clients are also interested in possibly remodeling part of their master suite and kitchen. And so this is very common when a client wants to do construction on one part of the house So after meeting with the clients, I went back to the house to field measure and draw an accurate plan of the existing floor plan of the house, measuring all doors and windows, ceiling heights, sill heights, just kind of taking inventory of everything I need to put on my drawing that once we do go and look at redesigning spaces, we have as much information as we can. And so this gives us then a scaled plan so we know what we're looking at. We draw up some options of new layouts and send them to the client to see how they react. Sometimes clients will approve right away or ask for more options. It really depends on the client and the scope of work. Of course, also budget. Then once they approve the design, what we do is we put together a zoning submittal. And this is a set of plans that we submit to the city for approval through the zoning department. They look at what we're proposing. If it's adding additional building square footage, do we meet the local zoning code? So every municipality, there's a formula to use to you know where you can add square footage, what heights to build at, etc. And this keeps the town and the neighborhood from overexpanding. Like For example, imagine you have an empty property of land next to your house and someone wants to build a toy factory there. The zoning code for your town will not allow it because it will say only residential buildings can be built in neighborhoods with other residential buildings. Then once we're approved with the zoning department in the city I work in, we also have a design review board. Sometimes if you live in a private community or a small city, you may need to present your project to a board. Now this board is a group of local individuals who are voted in and they may have backgrounds in engineering, architecture, law. And what they do is they make sure that whatever building you're proposing is in keeping with the characteristics of the neighborhood you're in, so that way the design stays consistent. For the design review phase, I handle all of the processing, notifying the neighbors of the hearing, my boss will meet with the board members, and then we present the project at the hearing. Neighbors can chime in if they have issues with building heights, things like that, even though the zoning code gives you a formula, sometimes neighbors will complain that they lost a view of the ocean, for example, which happens a lot, and so, There's the option for neighbors to also chime in if they agree or disagree with your design. And so once we're approved, we go to putting together the construction document set. And so depending on the complexity of the project, we may have already been coordinating with the structural engineer, acoustical engineer, mechanical or electrical engineer. It depends on how complex the project is and if we needed them on early on while we were designing the spaces. And so with how complex certain systems have become, an architect's job, as I mentioned, is to know and have an understanding of how everything kind of works on some level. But of course you add an engineer to the design team or consultant when you need more specific information. So it's either, as I mentioned, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, you now have audio and visual engineers, you have landscape consultants, energy code, ADA, which is the American Disabilities Act. So does your building meet the ADA requirements? And so all of these team members partake in the construction document set. And it's the architect's job to, once all this information comes in from the structural engineer, from the mechanical engineer, to be able to take all this information and look and make sure that for example you don't have a beam going right through where you're supposed to have an air conditioning unit right so we take all this information make sure everything fits make sure that everything is laid out so that there's not issues during construction and through the construction document phase we you know finish detailing the floor plans there's the sections elevations all of the details everything is pretty much complete with all the notes information that the contractor will need. Sometimes the client may ask for changes or you modify the design to accommodate as I mentioned mechanical or structural elements. And so once you've completed all the drawings, you're ready to submit to the building department and they review your drawings. They make sure your drawings are up to code. So for example, you have to have code compliant heights of handrails or doorways have to be at a minimum width, for example, The residential code also, just to note, is not as stringent, I believe, as the commercial code is because in residential, you're designing for, you know, a few people, whoever lives in the home, while in commercial, you have to comply with a code to accommodate pretty much everyone and anyone, from children to people with disabilities to elderly. So there's a lot more stringent codes. Once you're approved from the building department, you are close to starting construction. But first, of course, you need to pick a contractor. And there are multiple ways of choosing a contractor, from issuing out plans to several contractors, and they provide a bid, and then the client gets to select one they like or if the price is what they want. Each firm has their own method. It depends on what the client is comfortable with. Sometimes we've inherited a contractor because the client has already picked one and says this is the one they want to work with. So it all depends on the nature of the project and, of course, the client. Now, During the construction phase, the architect still has a role, but from what I have seen, there is a vast difference on how each architect is involved in the construction phase. Some architects visit the job site once or twice throughout the whole construction period and let the contractor figure out if there's any problems or conditions that have not been noted on the plans. Or, for example, like our firm, we visit the job site regularly, So this may be once a week or every few days, depending on what phase of the project it is. And for me, this is the part where I learned the most. When you're on the job site and you see your 2D drawings or your 3D renderings come to life and you are physically in the space that you created, that you designed. And it's one of my more favorite parts because you get to problem solve, you get to see what's out there, and it's just... It's very different. Every phase is different too. And you get to just see this house come alive, which is really cool. The architect also plays a key role in the communication between the client and contractor. So the architect can't be partial to either party. And when disagreements come up between the contractor and client, the architect stands in as a third party because they understand the project and the construction industry so they can help resolve issues. Every day in the office looks different for me, and that's why I love architecture. Never is each day the same. I get to meet with interesting people, help design a home for them, and learn something new every day. And that's the thing about architecture. There's endless amounts of information, and so you're always learning, growing, and it's not just me at a computer screen every day. There's even days when you're kind of like a therapist or psychologist, for example, where you're working with different personalities, and how does everybody mesh? So I don't just draw floor plans. I am part of an industry that has so many different aspects. It's a job that feeds my creativity and I also get to use my managing and organizing skills. It's not just a job for a rom-com character, but also for me. If you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.